Dante would seem to be a key candidate for an advocate of eternal damnation, a prime person of infernalism. After all, he's medieval, so it's said, and didn't that doctrine dominate the medieval mind with its fear of judgment and its advocacy of purgatory and ways out of purgatory through indulgences. And moreover, doesn't Dante's Divine Comedy say as much? The first part is the Inferno, and even a cursory reading of the first canticle of the Divine Comedy is full of people saying they're stuck forever, they're cursed, telling Dante their stories, and interestingly, not regretting where they are, but indulging where they are, being stuck where they are, rarely, in fact, longing for things to be otherwise. So isn't Dante, at all sorts of levels, telling us what hell is like and insisting that those in hell are there forever? But I think that what Dante is doing is taking evil and sin and vice and the states of mind, horrible states of mind, that people can get stuck in. He's taking all that completely seriously and showing why eternal damnation can't be the result. People in hell feel they are stuck forever. They're sure they're there forever. And that's a psychological and psychopathological truth for the psychologically tortured person. They can't imagine anything being any different. You only have to work in mental health to know that. And the person who has psychopathology that makes them evil, they too are stuck, but in a way that's due to a kind of blindness or a love of manipulation. Their lives are so narrowed that they are not open to change as well. The psychological person may be more stuck in the past from what's happened. The psychopathological person may be more stuck with an idea of the future and how their power is going to rule all things. Both can feel like states of complete hopelessness, thoroughly malevolent, and of course both can do enormous damage either through personal suffering or from the infliction of even intolerable pain on others. Dante's not denying that. He's taking that quite seriously and yet showing how the reality of evil is something different. He's even showing that people can know they're in hell, know why they're in a hellish state of mind because of vice or crime. They can even be remorseful and want things to be otherwise and still they feel they can't find a way out. And that too is a psychological truth. It's hard to change at the best of times, doubly so when life has got utterly stuck in a rut, when the soul has become trapped. 
when that foul way of being, that tortured way of being has become the entirety of who you feel you are. You literally cannot imagine things being otherwise. And again, that's something that anyone who works in mental health will know as well. Someone can feel suicidal. You can say there's someone here who cares and it may not make a blind bit of difference in extremists. People can become locked in silos of darkness. But when that is encountered with the fear, with the terror, with the desperation, with the hopelessness, what's actually revealed is that no one is isolated, even if they feel so, or narcissistically act as if they're the only person that counts. Dante is showing that hell is a state that may be entered into, for sure, and maybe even communities and societies can become hellish. There's an objectivity to that. But yet, even the most egoistic, narcissistic, advocate of a pure will to power is actually utterly dependent on a world around them, utterly reliant on others, and moreover on a world and on others who are not like them, either lost or malign. I mean, this is why tyrannies eventually always fall. The humanity that's exploited in a tyranny eventually resists and becomes irresistible. It proves itself to be the more resilient, the more lasting force. And even at a cosmic level, the most evil person, Lucifer, is still reliant on what's good, just to stay in existence. And that's why Dante has this brilliant insight that when he encounters Lucifer, Lucifer is in a frozen state, on the cusp of falling out of existence for sure, but not still reliant on the good that is the divine gift of being Lucifer as a created being as well. And that goodness is therefore more lasting and prior to the evil that it can hold that it can tolerate, but only so as to bring about its conversion so that the light returns to the darkness. Dante shows how evil as well is therefore ultimately based on untruth, even tenuous and fragile attitudes like ignorance, like delusion, like vice, like unfreedom. It's why very often in the Inferno the foul creatures they encounter are beaten because Dante or Virgil have a knowledge of life and also are free to trust that knowledge of life, to stake their lives upon it. They throw mud at Cerberus who munches on it madly and they just walk by. They see the demons of Dis chastised by the angel and the doors fly open and they realise that the doors were always locked from the inside by the demons. 
even in Malabolja when they encounter the calculating demons of Malakoda, they beat them at their own game. Because that game is narrow, myopic, anxious, hence dangerous. This is a state of being that only sees by its own light, shown in the ghastly but profound image of Bertrand de Borme, the figure they encounter in one of the bulgers of Malabolja, who is walking around with his decapitated head in his hand, his head being his light, a lantern. He can only see by his own sight, and so is trapped in an ultimate literalism, fundamentalism, narrowness. Even Lucifer is approachable, once Virgil explains to Dante, because Lucifer is caught in a kind of eternal recurrence and becomes utterly predictable. They just have to wait for his wings to flap in one direction and they're able to clamber through the crack in the ice alongside his body. So Dante shows that evil is beaten by seeing what evil is. A trap, fear, the desire for vengeance, even a monstrous autonomy. And seeing it for what it is, through an experience that might be terrifying and almost draws him in at times, it's, it's risky for sure to be exposed to it. But ultimately it leads to the turnaround. That occurs because freedom, because understanding, because others because the good are perceived, and perceived to be not so much stronger, I think, but subtler. Knowing things about life that's lost to the evil or the trapped mind. Plus, there's God. Now, Dante, I think, is nudging the Christian understanding from a God who needs justice, who needs vengeance, who needs their purity to be maintained, to God who continually pours life into creation, regardless. Sometimes the comparison is made with the sun that pours its light and warmth onto everybody, no matter who they are, how they've behaved. It's an incarnational understanding of Christianity, rather than one with a salvation based on some kind of substitution. Someone must die. No, all can live, Dante's God says, because life is what God continually pours out onto all. Now, this means that Dante challenges many of the reasons that Christians give for eternal damnation and hell. Some say that God's holiness requires hell, but Dante shows that God is not in competition with human beings, even at their foulest. God is not at risk of being soiled by that, but can stand alongside that, giving existence to those caught in it until they eventually feel that existence. It's why, in a way, there's at first pass a strange absence of overt divine power, at least for much of the time in the Divine Comedy. You know, Virgil and Dante and then Dante and Beatrice go on this complicated, fascinating, eventful journey 
it's not just God swooping them all up to heaven. And yet at the same time, if overt divine power often feels absent, it grows on you that there's a constant presence of divine allure active in love and in understanding, active in the fact that the journey continues. It's a different kind of power in operation, one that's not manipulative, one that draws by its patience, by its holiness. So God's holiness is that which actually overcomes the state of hell, not being that which requires the state of hell. And Dante incidentally says that the cross, therefore, was not for God's sake, but is a bloody mirror on humanity's lust and need for a retributive kind of justice, rather than the justice that God loves, which is the justice that comes when all are fully themselves fully free, fully manifest in their nature, and so in a wonderful harmony of being. Others say that God needs eternal damnation and hell because Jesus said so. Jesus told parables about people being separated like sheep and goats or like wheat and tares. But Dante has the subtler medieval hermeneutics to draw on that realised that the parables Jesus told have layers of truth and that the literal meaning is only the way of getting into that deeper understanding. And so sheep and goats, wheat and tares, as figures like Augustine also said, they speak about different parts of the whole, not about different groups in creation that are going to be separated out as if there's one lot of people that are good and another lot of, that are bad. No, the good and the bad runs through us all, runs through the whole of creation. But that's also to say we're all a part of that whole. And so it's about teasing out what's wheat-like, what's tear-like. And once that's understood, the conversion of what's bad into its restoration of what's good can take place. Dante sees that hell is part of him. That's why it's a journey which draws him in, not just leaves him as a kind of innocent bystander taking it in. And when he has seen the darkness in its fullest extent, he can find himself in purgatory, where the good impulse gradually drives out the bad. And also why in paradise he meets people he never expected to see there. Because in them, the good was always more active than was ever realised. Another reason that people say God needs hell is because only baptism saves, only confession of Christ saves. Um, but in Dante, it turns out that there is what Dante eventually comes to call a baptism before baptism. Dante asks this question, how can it be just that those who didn't know Christ don't have the chance to enjoy the divine life? And eventually and gradually it's revealed to him that the Logos, the Christ, the divine life is the whole of creation manifest in different times and places, 
which means that even those who live before Christ can know of that life. Most famously in the figure of Raphaeus of Troy, who appears in the paradise, an utterly obscure figure, a Trojan from a thousand years before Christ, but who actively in their life perceive the depth of creation. And the significance of the historical Jesus is that this is made explicit according to the Christian dispensation. Others say that God needs hell because human freedom requires the option of hell. You can make the choice to turn against God. But Dante says that we're more complicated creatures than that. We don't just make a surface choice, but there, there are more active dynamics alive within us. And ultimately, the divine dynamic is alive within us. And that's who we are. And so there's a kind of absolute freedom within us, which takes us back to the fullest life that we can enjoy. And that's why it's a kind of freedom, as well as a relative freedom within us, which can make mistakes, which can make bad choices, which can seem to lock us in. It's a two natures view of what it is to be human, which of course is thoroughly Christian. And the goal, the Christian life, is to work out how to feel into, to participate in life in such a way that those two sides of ourselves become one, in fact. That is the invitation. That's why Christian life is challenging, not because there's a God that must be appeased or overcome, but because the path requires all of us, dark and light, good and bad. This isn't a sort of simple overwriting of badness with goodness. Rather, it's a patient education that comes to know the whole of the self and the whole of the cosmos, in fact, often through suffering, but then in a return to the divine life from whence it came to start with. I think this also addresses the question of Virgil's salvation, which is much debated by Dante scholars. Virgil repeatedly tells Dante that his place is in limbo because he lived before the Christ light. But then Virgil starts to know more and more. He starts to change himself. He not only comes into purgatory, but understands a lot about purgatory. And I think that can only be because he too is finding a path to his salvation. He actually becomes Christic. This is noted in a poem by Charles Williams on Virgil, when Williams remarks that Virgil seems to be the person who offers his life for another's um, which he does, offering his life for Dante, but in such a way that, as Williams puts it, others he saved, himself he could not save. Others he saved, himself he could not save. And that's why Virgil keeps saying, this isn't my salvation, this is yours, I'm giving myself to. But of course, in that act of sacrifice, Virgil becomes Christ-like, of whom it was also said, that he could save others but not save himself when Christ hung on the cross. And so the revelation 
of the Divine Comedy is that Virgil is saved as well. For those with the eyes to see, those with the ears to hear, who understand the deep dynamics that's going on as Dante gradually reveals them. So I think Dante has what you might call a universalist re-evaluation that comes not from dismissing hell, not from wiping hell out, but precisely by engaging with hell. That's how the positive story is revealed. He signals it from the opening pages that he's questioning what he's seeing, inviting us to as well, rather than simply describing a kind of grand tour through the cosmos. He's not an objective bystander. He's personally engaged, and in that engagement, his understanding grows. Dante knows there's hell. He knows hell on earth. He knows hatred of others. His own life was full of it, and he knows, therefore, he must confront that in himself, which is why, even though at the beginning of the Divine Comedy he knows he's saved, he must still go through hell in order for that salvation to fully manifest itself. His journey, you might say, is reflexive, an opening of sight, not just a covering of the ground. And that is what brings us to God. That's why the darkness must be seen without reserve. And with that, he shows how hell is self-imprisonment. There it's imprisonment by vices that are struggling to become virtues. But virtues are true and so are eternal. And the thinness, the collapse, the temporality of vice is seen when it's encountered. But that encounter is at the darkest point. They do have to travel onto the frozen lake towards Lucifer, even onto Lucifer's body, in order for the turning point to be reached and for the eternal to be dimly gl glimpsed in that moment, but then tracked and followed into paradise. Dante learns that he must keep his mind even in that place and so must see more and more of the darkness, but in that continual movement into the darkness, the turning around comes, because ultimately God is the God of all existence, including the worst shadows. God is even in hell. The presence of those in hell, that those in hell don't sense, don't trust, so think that they're condemned forever, assure that is so. And yet that very presence is that which will whittle it away, waiting. God also loves surprises, Dante makes quite clear. When, for the last time, Dante asks about the injustice of not knowing Christ, as if that is enough to condemn people, and the eagle of Jupiter shows the figures saved, like Raphaeus, that Dante really hadn't expected at all, it's a moment of sheer joy the dante the eagle flies around dante like a swift like a swallow delighted at surprising dante with the revelation that's what god is like as well dante's also alert to other cultures and times and what he doesn't know about what they know 
of divine things. Um, and even, you know, God, in the voice of Beatrice, right at the end of the Divine Comedy, calls the whole thing, the darkness, the fall, even the suffering, calls it shockingly a distraction. That's part of how these things will come to be known, subspecie eternitatis, though it feels too much to say so when suffering is quite clearly so present. But Dante's taking the darkness and the evil seriously and showing how it does not fall away from the life of God, not because darkness is in God, but because darkness is actually a mistaken desire for the good. Dante learns from Adam that the mistake that he and Eve made in the Garden of Eden, in Eden was not eating the apple, but was eating the apple too soon before they could understand the fullness of life. And so it became a struggle. Lucifer, too, is described as wanting the light for himself almost in the moment after he's created. And that swiftness of possession was what led to his fall. Both need to learn, both Adam and Lucifer need to learn how to be divine. Both them as the human and divine within us, the two natures need to come together into one. But Dante becomes quite clear, I think, that all will learn to be divine. That is what seeing the evil shows. God has infinite patience and resources to bring that about. He will even send Dante on a journey through hell to find out that hell is not the last word on existence. Dante takes the possibility of eternal damnation entirely seriously. He understands the desire for infernalism, but sees through that possibility sees through that desire and so shows as much as tells by his encounters by his experience and what that can catalyze in us that all will be saved and god will be all in all <laughs>